Welcome to Anthropology of Girlhood, a girlhood podcast about high school sports. I'm Alexa Ray Hack. I'm a comedian and storyteller, and I use she, her pronouns. My name is Micah Solvern. I am a child care provider, and I use they, them pronouns. Today, we're diverging from our usual format just a little bit. We had mad technical difficulties, y'all. So we did lose like a whole episode of As Told by Ginger, and the sound is a little weird on the one we did get. So instead of not releasing that episode, we decided to just bang these first 10 episodes all together and do them as one. We're probably also, not probably, we're definitely going to do that for the next one as well, just to get Ginger done so that we can get closer to caught up on our schedule. So we appreciate the uh, patience with that. That said, today we're talking about episodes one through 10 of season three of As Told by Ginger. And uh, it's really getting interesting. Things it, are really turning up. The, it's it's a weird one. It's yeah. a weird one for sure. High school is looming. High school is looming. In episodes one through three, it's a three-parter. Ginger gets accepted into the esteemed Avalanche Arts Academy and gets to go live there for the winter semester. And uh, the friend group has to kind of deal with the consequences of Ginger being gone. In episode four, Ginger comes back and she and Darren are properly in a relationship now and that sort of shakes the foundation of the friend group. In episode 5, Lois and Joanne Bishop get into a fight in the supermarket which causes Joanne to fake a heart attack and ban her children from seeing the Fatley children anymore, which causes a rift between Dodie and Ginger as Ginger gets ready to throw a party for Darren's birthday. And in episode 6, Dodie's mom gets a uh, job at the junior high and tries to become the popular girl she never was. In episodes seven and eight, we are dealing with eighth grade graduation and Ginger facing her transition into high school. Then in episode nine, there is a heat wave and the girls return to Camp Caprice as counselors. And in episode 10, everyone goes to the county fair and all of our relationships that we've established so far this season kind of get tested and pushed. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Anthro267. You can subscribe to our Patreon on patreon.com slash Anthro267. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, thank you and enjoy. I don't think at this age, but I do think this kind of like boarding school experience could be super good. Oh my God, it would be incredible. It would have been so world opening. Right. Like, and especially like, I don't think it should be in middle school. I think maybe in high school. Yeah, absolutely. But like. To be able to go someplace new and be surrounded specifically by people who are passionate about the same types of stuff as you. Yeah, it would have been so fulfilling to have a community that I knew I could relate to. Yeah, and it it kind of like is a little bit what adulthood is like, right? Absolutely. Like, I feel like you get this, it's really easy to get depressed in high school because you don't really understand that not everything in the world is like high school right 
Which it's not, I once, promise. Once you get out of high school, you like kind of never have to associate with people that you don't really care for ever again. again. And you basically just get to like find a group of folks who like the same stuff as you and talk the same way as you and relate to the world similarly to you and just like hang out with them, which is like more like what this kind of art school thing, you know, would help kids to develop. Yeah. And I think having the opportunity for that independence of living by yourself, but in a safe, structured environment where you're not going to like unlike where you go off to college and you have access to alcohol and you have access to drugs and there's no one checking in on you. And even the people who are technically there to check in on you are just older students. Yeah. Like, they're just other students. You you need, like, staff and counselors around to, like, make sure kids are adjusting and, like... Yeah, so I'm not getting into any. Sort you know, of weekly therapy sessions. Right. Every child deserves weekly therapy Definitely. sessions. Definitely, especially in middle school. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like eighth grade was a new kind of hell that I was not prepared for. Especially the end of the year when you were getting ready to move to high school. I feel like. Yeah, we. My high school is ten, eleven, twelve. Ah. Uh... So we went seven, eight, nine in the junior high. I see. 10, 11, 12. I like all the things that this arc of art school episodes brings up about, uh, you know, the, the struggle between maintaining your romantic and platonic relationships. Yeah. And also, like, that struggle to maintain your relationships when you're young and like your friends are the only people you've ever yeah so and then you're you know removed from them for some period of time i have the emotional permanence of a goldfish (laughs) uh and maybe it was also the fact that i was feeling very isolated and alone at that age but i was so ready to just leave and say goodbye to everyone I think it was, like, also part of the depression and the isolation of, like, I always felt like I was the friend who put in all of the work and no one was reciprocating. So, like, going away and being missed was kind of, like, a dream. Yeah, kind of a dream, totally. Yeah, it takes work to maintain friendships, and we do not talk about it. Yeah, right? Like, I definitely feel like we need to actively teach more, like, how to maintain friendships as an adult especially because like we cannot be the only neurodivergent people who did not know that they were neurodivergent until they were adults no and could not for the longest time figure out why all of their friends disappear at some point because also we low-key forget that our friends exist when they're not in the same room. Yeah. Not anything personal. It's just, I'm just really bad at remembering people exist. Yeah. I didn't know that there was, like, work that had to go into maintaining a friendship. No. Or into getting one in the first place. No. Like, that... A lot of that stuff, like, is obvious to neurotypical people, and they just go on doing it like it's nothing 
Meanwhile, the rest of us are like, what is, There's, are you guys, Is are there rules to this game? Nobody gave me the book, the handbook. I, I don't know these rules. Is Can there like a pocket guide I could just go over? Oh even my a, God. Even a pamphlet? A pamphlet would be so handy. Like, can I please have like written out social instructions for everything? That would be yeah. incredible. But I kind of related to Ginger while she was at the school and missing her friends and, like, the feeling of, like, given, like, it was under circumstances of people were making sure she was missing her friends' calls and, like, that she wasn't around to take them. But, like, that feeling of, like, I'm gone and you're not even, like, you can't even put in the effort to, like, try and contact me. Yeah. uh, It's hard hard because, like, whenever I would go to camp, I would, like, be like, here's my address, you know. It would nothing. Nothing. And it's just, like. Tough. Yeah, it's tough. I just, like, also, like, speaking of the, um, all the subterfuge that is involved in, like, social interaction, the amount of scheming and plotting and like master plan that goes into this whole wanting to get rid of ginger thing just seems crazy it seems a lot like girl what is going let's sit down for a minute and talk about what is going on in your life that you need like pathologically need your best friend's attention so much that the idea that she has another friend is threatening and you have to call in a hundred favors and spend a bunch of money to try and get rid of her. Yeah, you see it with both Miranda and Dodie, like the entire freak out of your friend's not going to give you a hundred percent of their time anymore. Right. And like, we, you can't expect that from people. Right. Like, I think that's a big shift people struggle with, especially in the transition from high school to college. Like, you go from seeing your friends every single day for, you know, so many hours a day to, you know, you have to put in the work and you have to, like, you know, actually, like, take time and reach out. It's really interesting to see how much we take for granted our friends' time and emotional energy in high school and how we don't talk about how like how much damage friendships can be and how draining friendships can be and how they're just as much work and they're just as important as a romantic relationship. Right. I mean, if not more. Oh, absolutely. Friendships will last the length of many romantic relationships if you care for them. Yeah. Appropriately, you know? Yeah. It's definitely at Miranda. A little batshit. Yeah. A little bit. Dodie in in particular in like this whole run of episodes going forward she's kind of out of her mind she's kind of a nightmare person and it's really interesting like her whole like freak out and like being like ginger doesn't deserve this like she didn't what did she do to get into the school like you know your friend you know that ginger is a prolific writer and she's a good writer right and then like she has been She's been given awards and celebrated yeah. multiple times before because of how talented a writer she is. Like, this isn't out of nowhere. No. But, and like, like, I was just going to say, I think it's just, like, she gets a lot of that controlling attachment type from her mother. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she does. Where, like, if she cares about something, that means she has to control everything that it does and be with it all the time. Yeah. Or else it could be, you know, disappointing her. Which, yikes. Yeah, yikes. 
Yikes, Yikes is right. That's a like a terrible way to raise a child and a terrible way to try and be a friend. And to be a human, like to need that like Yeah, to need that constant right control. It is such a hard lesson to learn. And it would be easier if we taught any emotional social interactions right. in higher ed, but that's I won't get on that soapbox. But putting all of your emotional needs into one person be it one romantic partner, one platonic partner, just like putting that well-being and expectations onto a single person is like one, emotionally manipulative and so demanding of uh, someone else's attention. And two, leaves you in a really fragile space. Right. And you don't have a safety net if you right. don't have that multiple points yeah. of you know, contact. And I know it's a big cultural thing. And I know that we, like, how many people do we see that they are only friends with their spouse? Like, they don't have friends outside their marriage. And it's it's really a shame. And it's really something that we need to start teaching in schools. And, like, having kids have that opportunity to learn healthier and stronger ways to have relationships. Totally. Because the more strong stable relationships we can build that are respectful of people's boundaries that you know are respectful of people's emotional ability and emotional stability the better everyone's gonna be like it's not just gonna be a bunch of like how many men do we know who would be much happier and much more stable and less trigger happy if they had any kind of emotional support right if they had extended friend groups with whom they could actually be honest and vulnerable. Right. So, not saying who the problem is, but... But it's kind of in the data. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it's just like, how many of our social problems would be better? Like, how much smoother would our politics run if we had fucking taught fucking empathy to people right yeah that's exactly what i was thinking like how much good that would do for our empathy problem to like actually teach people how to do it and actually teach people like what it takes to maintain a friendship and like how to consider what other people are going through and maybe it's because we are neurodivergent and like we needed someone to tell us how to do it. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And, like, that it's, like, even, like, such a plain, clear idea. Because, like, how I remember being curious and, like, being, like, how do you do it? I don't understand. Please explain it. And people like, oh, you just figure it out. You just know what to do. And it's like, no. No, You you, know what to do. You say you know what to do. You've picked up on these clues. But are you happy with what you're doing? (laughs) Yeah. You don't seem happy. Do you know that the other people that you're in relation with are happy with your relationship because like it doesn't seem like you know it, it doesn't seem like there's an indicator like a way to know that you should neurotypical communication where you're not just supposed to be like hey are we cool are things cool between us because apparently that's like rude i guess i don't know don't ask me it's not normal or healthy to be mad at the person that you're dating yeah like arguments happen it's not like a never be mad at 
you anger is a perfectly natural emotion and it's totally but like constantly fighting like we always make out teenage relationships to be like yeah that's not normal that's not not okay yeah big emotions are fine you know you can feel your feelings and you should feel your feelings right but you also like i think part of that in relationships in particular is learning not to aim your feelings at exactly your, at your significant other which like again can be a big problem when your significant other is the only person in your life right at whom you can ever aim your emotions you yeah know? Uh, the last thing i wanted to say about the last two things i have about this whole art school arc, the first three episodes, is where are everyone's parents? Right? Oh my gosh. There's so much travel. I don't think we are meant to understand... We know it's a few hours away. Where the school is. But yeah, it's a few hours away because there's like snow and elk. And Lois even says it'll only take me a few hours to get there. Like, if something goes wrong. So, yeah, like, it's, anyway, it's a few hours, which is presumably, you know, one of these kids taking the bus. Like, Darren travels to the school. Yeah, he hops a train. To see Ginger. Like, what the fuck is going on? How is no one watching these kids? Like, I know cartoon parent logic is different and, like. But this show is, especially in these A stories, is so grounded that it, like, was the first time in this whole show, I think, that I've been like, where are your parents? Where's anybody's parents? I mean, the B stories are a different thing. They're like full on cartoons. I was but... gonna say we're gonna have to talk about the telekinesis in these episodes. Yeah, so I mean the... <laughs> But like since the beginning we have talked about how the Carl stories are like full on it's set in a different universe. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, they are like an AU that includes like sci-fi and fantasy elements because like we confirm ghosts are real yeah we do in season one of this show ghosts and now we have telekinesis and like listening flies spy flies spy flies sci-fi spy flies sci-fi spy flies Of course, Blake has the listening device that's like all fancy and shit. He's a little shithead. Of course, yeah. Rich people are always trying to spy on people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the B stories are the B story in this is like kind of really cute and wholesome and really like adds a like level of growing up to Carl that I was not expecting. Totally, yeah. I wasn't really expecting to see Carl's like early relationship stuff. That right. It's really cool to see. Yeah. I feel like this whole B story is another case of tell people how you feel. Right. Because like so Carl's got his crush on what's her name? Noelle uh, Sussman. No- Noelle Sussman. And she has telekinesis powers. Yes. Which Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Okay. We're, we're just going to just throw that out there in the universe. <laughs> yep. Telekinesis. Ghosts. Telekinesis. Robot. Drone flies. This is full on science we're fiction. Full on science fiction. And so, like, he wants to enter her into, like, a weird, the weird yeah. winter fest. Weird human winter fest. Yeah. And she gets so into it just to impress him. And then 
doesn't tell him how she feels. Right. She, yeah, plays games instead of just telling him how she feels. Yeah, tries to make him jealous by kissing Hoodsy without permission, which... And ends up breaking both their hearts. Yeah. Like, every, hurting everyone's feelings. Right. Instead of just, like... You know, having a conversation about your feelings. Exactly. Tell people how you feel. It's important. Feel your feelings. But the nice thing about these three episodes and what feeds into the next episode... Is that Darren and Ginger finally get together. Finally. I'm so glad they took so much time with the build-up. Yeah, it definitely felt like it was always coming, but it, I was worried it was going to be, like, in the first season. Right, same. It, we're, like, you know, it, we're in the third season. They have a friendship. They have, like, developed characters outside of their relationship. Right. And I think, you know... I love uh, we've lived next door to each other forever. It's real cute. It, I just feel like all of our shows in the 90s and 2000s, like you just always fell in love with the boy who lived next door or whatever. I don't know why that was. My neighbors were never that cute. But it sure was. I never had like other kid neighbors. I didn't. I, yeah, I never understood it, but maybe it's because I didn't have any... Uh, children in my neighborhood but yeah it was real cute and then i was ready for the next episode when ginger comes back to be like all right this is your classic like get wrapped up in a relationship too fast and like you don't really and you let your friendships go but it kind of turned into the opposite which was a nice change yeah and like just have again you have dodie freaking out that ginger's not spending all of her time and things aren't exactly the same way. And yeah, heaven forbid things like your friendship change. Yeah. And then to pull this like cold heart, to pull this cold hearted bitchy move of like trying to sabotage your friend's relationship because you don't think that you get enough time with her is like, it's just so mean. And yeah, it's so ridiculous. It's one thing if you think your friend's in danger. And again, talk to your friends and try communicating with them first before you go with the backstabby, like making plans with people who you know hate her. I I have this note about how we find out that Mipsy and Miranda have been like talking shit and spreading rumors about Ginger while she's been gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like this is probably another one of those like autistic, I don't understand this things, but like what what purpose does this serve like wouldn't it be so much easier to just to not (laughs) wouldn't it be so much less energy to not it would and just like go on with your life and not associate with that person anymore one would think i don't understand i don't understand either that serves i have been told it's because as someone who thinks a lot about what other people think of me, I yeah. can see where you could do some damage totally. and how you could like really hurt someone by doing it. But like, again, why would you do it's so much more energy to just ignore them. Yeah. And just like go on with your life. So what if they're hurt just because you're hurting does This is a revolutionary concept and has been something that took me forever to learn. But just because you're hurting doesn't mean you get to make other people hurt. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one to learn. Like, I'm sorry you're suffering. It sucks and it's 
gonna suck for a minute and the only way through it the only way to heal is through and lashing out at people and making them hurt and making people around you miserable is not gonna change how you're feeling yeah which you would know if we taught you anything about emotions in school right again i feel like that (laughs) that comes up almost more than the money thing in this show Feel your feelings. Capitalism is the death of us all. You know, the themes of this show. Yeah. I have a note that I feel like is a pretty common sense uh, thought process, but apparently it's not because we. this is a trope that happens a lot. Don't use people as betting chips. Yeah. Like, people are not things that you can give away. Yeah, it seems creepy. It's real creepy. And, like, maybe you're... Your uh, partner is into it. Have a long conversation about it first. Yeah. Don't assume ownership of your partner. Yeah. Although in a consensual way. Consensually do whatever you want. You are. I could. You are grown ass adults. Do what makes you happy. I don't need to out myself anymore on this podcast. Uh, Do what makes you happy. (laughs) Do it consensually. (laughs) Like, I be whole like also you've lost your shoe and your glasses already you're not gonna win yeah just let it go just walk with like i would have walked away at the loss of a shoe yeah don't bet your glasses yeah, never, never, bet, never your glasses. bet your glasses it doesn't go well it's not a good scene you're gonna be mad you won't be able to see what a scene you've made of yourself right yeah. God, I would be so fucked without my glasses. Yeah, it would be a nightmare. We need to talk about the about Polly Schuster, the weird parrot girl. Did you have friends who were who thought they were animals? Were you the friend who thought you were an animal? I did not think I was an animal, but I think this phenomenon, like this kid, exists. Oh, I have. I've taught this kid. Yeah, you've taught one of you taught. They a... weren't. They were a cat. They weren't a parrot. Sure. But you know, yeah, wore ears every day. Uh, wore a tail every day. Usually homemade. Yeah, sure. Like uh, you do. Like to be walked around on a leash at recess. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, as an educator, I didn't i like luckily she wasn't in my class she was just like in the program so i like only had interactions with her when she was on a leash outside (laughs) so you know we let her go by her cat name we didn't we called her whatever like skippy lady fuzzy whiskers uh, yeah mr magic kitty whiskers Uh, (laughs) my first cat yeah right that's what i was trying i knew it was something 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 whiskers (laughs) Don't let your kids name your cat. The saying is really good, though. I probably think about that once a week. You should. I mean, these animal kids are what the conservatives fear we're turning our kids into, right? Right. I mean, that's what that's what Tucker Carlson said about the buffalo shooter. Really? Yeah. Is that he's he's not a white supremacist, even though he practically wrote like. Dis- I'm like I'm a white supremacist. He basically wrote 180 fucking pages of I'm a white supremacist. Yeah. No, he's it's, he's a furry, and the problem is that schools are putting litter boxes in now to accommodate kids who are furries. That's Which, not like, even how furries work. <laughs> a exactly. You don't know shit about furries. Let me tell you about fucking furries. 
B, you worked in a school with a cat kid. Did you that cat kid have a litter box? No, they went in a fucking toilet like every other kid. Yeah, you know, Miss Fluffy was fine. You know, she was she was a child when she needed to be, and when in her free time she was a cat. So what? So like Who cares? God forbid you give children autonomy. Yeah. And you know, it's, let them have a sense of identity that's outside of their parents. It's literally just like, I'm uncomfortable that these options were never presented to me. It sucks. Like, it feels bad. As an educator who is like in watching the world change around me and having kids who know themselves better than I will ever know myself at such a young age yeah. is causes this wave of jealousy that I was not expecting. Totally. I bet. And like having positive queer experiences as a child has got to be incredible and I'm so happy for them but of course I'm jealous like if I had known any inkling or like any sense of my queerness as a kid yeah it would have explained everything totally yeah and I feel like at every point where I did have some kind of inkling it was immediately met with like you know violence or trauma yeah right yeah to like really set sink in that idea that like it was absolutely unacceptable for me to be happy in any way yeah people seem to have forgotten even in the last what 10 years since equal marriage almost 10 years nine Uh, years wasn't that 2016 was it 2016 or was it like i think it was 2016 okay so only so in the last like five years Uh you know how rampant and how acceptable all of the homophobia was when in the early 2000s. Yeah, it was everywhere. It was everywhere. It was like, does anyone not remember the Don't Say Gay campaign that went on for years as like stupid PSAs? Right, because when we were in school, gay was just synonymous with like with stupid. Yeah. Or ridiculous. Yeah, like, that was revolutionary. Yeah. Of course there's going to be this jealousy. And of course, the whole point of having children and having a next generation is to build a better world for them. And I'm sorry you suffered. That sucks. That's not okay. And you shouldn't have. Right. But what you can do is learn from that and make it better for people below you. People younger than you. I don't understand the motivation of, like... I went through something terrible, therefore everyone else should go through something terrible. It's about power. Right? Like, if, like, I heard somebody made a good analogy today of, like, if you walk out of a building and a bird shits on you, you don't think, God, this sucks, I hope everyone who comes out of this building gets shit on today. That's fucking horrible. That would be a horrible, mean thing to say or to feel. You you think oh shit that sucks yeah you know but like, like whatever hopefully that doesn't happen to anybody else and like the argument of I got hit as a kid and I turned out fine no you didn't if you are wishing harm on other people yeah right that is not okay and especially if you are a parent who uses violence to control their child and you feel like you have to justify it then like obviously things have not gone well no and like it's okay to admit that you had a shitty childhood it's hard and it's scary and we like to romanticize it but it's okay to be like you know what it was not as good as it should have been yeah because chances are most of us had something shitty happen to us in childhood yeah 
I mean, especially those of us, like, over a certain age. Yeah. With parents who are, like, boomers or older Gen Xers. Who just, like, they just grew up in a time where children were just not regarded as human no. beings the same way that they are now. No, children have not been, like, children are just now becoming human beings. Which is terrifying. Yeah. Because they've always been human beings. And, like... We know now that, like, generational shit passes down and you have generational trauma and it's hard to break free from that. But it's so talked about now and, like, we have so many resources. You have no excuses left. Right. Especially if you are rich. You have no excuses. Get into therapy. Yeah. Fucking work out your shit. Yeah, you have no one but yourself to blame when your kid doesn't talk to you or your kid goes through some mental health crisis or your kid comes out as gay late in life. Yeah. Like, all of those things are directly your fault. Yeah. And you should feel bad. And we should be able to bill you for our mental health care. That might be a personal thing of mine. Because, yeah, I do stop about episode four because we haven't talked about it at all. I just kind of want to talk about how... Like, seemingly quickly, the the Darren and Ginger relationship, like, takes off. Yeah. I mean, like, they have been friends for a long time, so that explains some amount of it. But, like, she's immediately, like, calling him sweetie, and it, it, I don't know. It makes me uncomfortable. Maybe it's just, like, romantic stuff in general kind of makes me uncomfortable. But, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. It just felt weird and unearned. But I guess that's also, like, part of being in these early relationships is kind of not knowing how to be in a relationship except for the, like, trappings you've seen in movies and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just, I wanted to make sure you didn't have any other points. No, that's it. Go ahead. Uh, Because I have thoughts. I, like, definitely think that there's, like, two major factors that play into how quickly Ginger and Darren are, like, all coupley. There are three different factors that go into how quickly that Darren and Ginger kind of get all coupley. One, it's a cartoon and we have to, like, make things obvious. Right. And, like, having them be all coupley, like, shows us very clearly, like, it's no longer just a friendship. And, like, it's a it's an element of storytelling. Is it a good use of that element? That can be left to your own decision. Yeah. Two, a thing about your early relationships when you're in school that we don't talk about and that doesn't happen when you're in adult relationships or shouldn't happen in adult relationships yeah. is you seeing each other every single day for that much time. Right. Unless you're living together. Yeah. So, like, being... Things do move faster because you have so much more time together. That's true. Yeah. You just have And you have so, so many and like subsection of that, I guess, is also how performative early relationships are. That's true. You kind of just need to like prove to your friends how in a relationship you are. Right. It's like again, this could be the neurodivergence talking, but like it always seemed like you were doing romantic shit with your partner or being cute with your partner more to show other people your status and less because it's something that made you happy right right it Um, was yeah a performance much like so much of 
being in middle and high school. Right. Like it's, which is why you need therapy because it is a hard performance and it is not being yourself in high school and middle school is so goddamn hard and it's okay if you're not. It really is. And thirdly, kids don't have any other references besides media. Yeah. We don't, as we have stated multiple times such a day, we don't teach anything about it. We don't have conversations about how relationships are supposed to look. So we have these played up rom-com stereotypes that you are expected to be over the top and very performative and, you know, have these high expectations when, like, really, like, that happens maybe once in an entire relationship, not once a week. Yeah. And, like, I think part of the emotional learning that our perfect school would do would be how to maintain relationships like romantic sexual and romantic relationships and also still maintain like your individual identity and maintain your platonic friendships as well and figuring out how to (coughs) i think like a lesson that took me way too long to learn was figuring out how to adjust for the like I don't know what the technical term is for this, but in poly we call it new relationship energy. I was going to say. Like, that, like, rush of endorphins, that, like, excitement you get when you meet someone new that you click with, took me probably until, you know, my late 20s or my 30s to be, like, to be able to step back and be like, okay, I know this feels intense, it feels like you are in love with this person, your brain is just flooded with chemicals right now right. and you're just really excited. You need to remember that this is all going to feel different in three months. Yeah. Yeah. New relationship energy is toxic. Not toxic. is addicting. Yeah, totally. It, and it is so, and especially as a teenager when everything is new. Exactly. It's so exciting and it's so easy to get overwhelmed with it all. And it's right. so easy to just like dive head first and forget everything. Right. Well, and then I feel like you see so many of these early relationships where the the two people get into them just like just fall so head first into that energy and then they spend all their time together. They write notes to each other constantly. They think about each other constantly. And then four weeks later, they can't fucking stand each other. Because that energy is gone, and now there's nothing left in the relationship. They haven't actually built right. a foundation underneath that. Right. And it's just a huge reason why middle school relationships are so short, I think. Yeah. And it's like, it's not... I don't want to say wrong. It's not an... Because like, I think it's a learning curve. And I totally. think that, you know, as most things that are intoxicating part of the learning curve is understanding how it affects you and taking time to like figure it out and if you are not given a chance or the space to reflect on it like we aren't and breakups are not like teenage breakups are always laughed at of course you're heartbroken i'm so sorry you'll get over him in a week you know whatever yeah but um, like it feels it's, it's so devastating because like everything feels so big when you're a kid yeah it's absolutely world ending and and 
needing to repeat that process a few times to understand how it affects you is okay. Yeah. Like, you don't expect what we need to teach and what we need to, like, have as a cultural awareness. And I believe what we need is a more cultural awareness on how different relationships can look. Because not every relationship you have is going to be get married, have 2.5 kids, live together forever. Right. Um, Like, some relationships are going to be just, like, three weeks full of passion and then it's done. And that's okay. Enjoy those three weeks. Have fun. You know, enjoy the time you have with this person. It doesn't make it any less real. It doesn't make it any less important. Yeah. And, like, I think, honestly, I think that's one thing that I really love about being polyamorous was that taught me how important to treasure each relationship for what it is and not, like, expect it to always look the same. Yeah. And, like, it also makes it easier to mourn relationships to be, like, I wanted it to last longer, but it didn't, and that's okay. It doesn't make the time that we had together any less uh, valuable or any less, like, unhappiness, and, like, we had a good run or whatever. And it's easier to step away from romantic relationships and hopefully build more platonic ones and, like, not necessarily lose a relationship but let it change. So we're talking about episode five is Easter and kind of like spring generally. We're through the winter arc and we're into spring. And Carl isn't up to another one of his fucking schemes. You hate how much of a capitalist he is, don't you? I do hate how much of a capitalist he is. Who hurt you, Carl? Why are you this way? Growing up poor? I guess, yeah. I think I'm just mad at capitalism and Carl is a tiny capitalist. That's fair. He is. And it's annoying. And I think there's like so much better. Like, I wish they would play up the rivalry with Blake more. Like, put your time into that. Because I feel like that would be better than all of these schemes to try to get weird shit. Yeah. And I guess like most of it is like he always wants money to like buy some weird oddity or Mm -hmm. something. Just, like, some weird collectible thing that he wants, but I don't know. That being said, I usually hate Higsby. I think he's the worst, but I really liked him in this episode because he stood up for himself for being like, this is who I am, fuck off if you don't like it. Right, right, Which, like, good for you. Yeah. He was like, look, you hired me to be the Easter Bunny, like... Of course I was gonna fucking ham it up and chew the scenery. Have you met me? Right. Like, that's... My whole thing. Who I... That's what I do. Oh, and then, like, the big thing in this episode is the whole Joanne Bishop manipulation fake heart attack thing. Joanne Bishop should not be around children. And it makes me really mad that she has two of them. Yeah, we just, like, straight up need to talk about, like, what a controlling, terrible mother Joanne Bishop is. First off, don't take your children's friends away. Ever. Right? Banning your your children from seeing people that they have as a support system outside of you is abuse. Yeah, like, that's literally what abusers do, is tell you that you can't see your friends. Like, you're literally cutting them off from other support groups. Like, like I don't care if you don't like them. Like, trust your children to make good decisions. Trust your children to know who their friends are. Right. You can find them annoying. 
God knows that I found my parents found some of my friends annoying. Yeah. But you know what? They make your kids happy. And yeah. that's the most important thing. Yeah. And like if you have imbued your kid with good values and good judgment, then they will see what you see in their friends eventually. Yeah. And like that is one problem and one failure that they need to be allowed to make on their own. Yeah. Because, you know, like friendships, especially childhood friendships, are kind of like a really good low stakes way to learn how to be in relationships. Absolutely. Because like they fall apart all the time for all kinds of reasons. So many stupid reasons I stopped talking to people. Yeah. So many. But yeah, like there's such a good way to like build social skills and to have those experiences and to be like, you know what? No. Is absolutely not okay. And it's gonna make things like you're it's not gonna make your children like you any better. Right. It's not gonna like make them want they're they're going to see how controlling you are. Yeah. They're going to not like you for it. And it's gonna cause them more of the rift between you to grow bigger. Right. Yeah, yeah. like what is your as as a controlling parent, like what is your end goal? Like, do you just want this child to have to check in with you about everything they do for the rest of their lives? Like, do you want to meet all their friends? You want to meet everyone they date? You want to see all their apartments and every car they buy until the end of time? Like, does that sound fun to you? Yeah, you want to take all that time away from your life and your ability to do things to, like, constantly watch over your child because you don't trust that you did your job correctly? Yeah. Is... Oh, oh, it's a you don't trust yourself thing, isn't it? It's definitely a you don't trust yourself thing. But you're just like, yeah, it's so crazy how many generations of parents were just like aware, subconsciously aware that they weren't actually parenting in any way and terrified of that fact, but unwilling to admit it or do anything about it. Yeah, yeah, it is absolutely terrifying. At least parents now are like, yeah. I have no fucking clue what I'm doing. I'm probably doing a bad job somehow. But I'm sorry. And I would like to do better. Like, at least we're trying. We're trying. I say we like I am ever going to have kids. Oh, that's for the next episode. (laughs) You can really tell where Dodie gets a lot of her controlling and stuff. And like, but there's this really cute scene of Hoodsy and his dad making dinner and like, yeah, right. And it like, one, cute. Mr. Bishop seems like a cool dad. Yeah, he seems great. He's just like never allowed to exist because of Joanne. Right. And like, they have this, he, there's this line of like, because he's like, Dad, you make, you make, making dinner with you is fun. And he's just, and Mr. Bishop goes, don't let your mother hear that. You know how she feels about fun. Yeah. Which is a terrifying so concept. Like, you aren't allowed to have fun as a child. In your own house. Right, which comes back to another thing about, like, if you're not prepared for, like, chaos and disobedience, don't have children. No. Then you're not prepared to have children. I'm sorry. Like, I know babies are cute and they'll do whatever you do because they don't really have another choice. But toddlers are nightmares. But then all other stages are children pushing back against you. So, like, if you're not prepared for kids to push back, don't have them. 
It's a hundred percent easier to not have kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. It also really bothered me how easy Ginger forgave Dodie and Macy for breaking trying to break up her and Darren. Right? Oh yeah, and then this is the episode where Dodie tries to get Ginger to cancel the party because she can't go. That's right. Ginger's throwing a birthday party for Darren. Right. Because it's Darren's birthday and they're in a relationship now. So she wants to do the girlfriend thing and throw her boyfriend a birthday party. Which super sweet. Good for you. Nice. And then yeah, because Dodie is banned from hanging out with Ginger. Dodie goes to Darren and is like, can you cancel your birthday party? Because I can't make it. Which like, bitch, who do you think you are? Right, the balls on that girl. The ovaries on that girl. To be like, to be like, you should cancel your birthday party because I, a friend of your girlfriend's, can't come. What do you think you are? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And I am really proud of Ginger and Darren of finding a creative way to like make sure it could happen. Because like yeah. Ginger's like, I, you obviously care about this. I don't understand why. And it, but you're make and you're making me feel bad about my decision. But I'm going to make it work for you. Which, like, yeah. just shows, like, how good of a friend Ginger is. Yeah. Always break your friends out of their uh, restrictive parents' houses. Yeah, right? That's the only... If Harry Potter taught us anything. <laughs> and also, like, I think, you know, Ginger is such a good and giving friend because Lois is her mom. Oh my god, Lois. And, like, Lois is the most patient and the most down, like... She, towards the end of this episode, she dresses up as the rabbit. Right, because Hoodsy can't do it anymore. To, to help Carl sell his fucking Easter baskets. And, like, you know, we've seen her play a monster in their monster movie. She, like, like gets him stuff. She will do whatever. She, you know, she lets him have, lets him, let him convert the doghouse. Right. Like, She's such an amazing, supportive mom. She's such an incredible parent. And, like, which I think is why I got really mad at Joanne for being, like, fuck your family. I'm like, no, fuck your family. Right, your family's the toxic one. Right? Lois has been doing a fantastic job. Fuck off. Right. And she's a single parent. Yeah. She raises Carl and does a goddamn good job at it. Right? Yeah, gets him to leave the house with pants and shoes on every morning. So, like, you can fucking stuff it. Episode six uh, also like pulls into how awful Joanne is because she gets a job teaching at the middle school. Right. And my first note about this is you do not get to be your students' friends. No. You are not there to make friends. You are there to work. Yeah. This is your job. This is your job. This is not your chance to be the cool kid again. Yeah. I understand the impulse as an uncool kid to want to be a cool adult. Yeah. I get that. But gaining the approval of children is never going to make you happy. No. <laughs> Especially when they're children that you work with. No. You do not get to be friends with your students, and you do not get to go shopping with them after school. Yeah, what the fuck? This whole relationship, this whole thing about Joanne trying to be like... A cool girl basically yeah like reclaim her high school years of being uncool like the fact that you are in the student bathroom talking to students really freaked me the fuck out yeah somebody should have alerted 
you know, the principal or an authority figure at some point on this woman. There are staff bathrooms for a reason. Straight up predator behavior. Yeah. Like we talked about the we talked about this with the like quiz bowl coach a few episodes ago where like even he was getting like he was obviously kind of just like an idiot. Yeah. But if a, a masculine teacher had done all this stuff that Joanne Bishop does, somebody would have called the cops. Yup. Because this is so fucked up. You cannot have lunch at the kids' table and then use their bathroom and then go shopping with them after school. That is what predators do. That is what predators do. And on like an even more basic in thing... That is not your goddamn job, which you are there to do. Right. If you are too busy trying to be a popular kid and you're trying to, like, get in all the gossip during passing time, you're not helping students in the hallway. Right. You're not getting your prep work done. You're not, you know, cleaning up your class. You're not being objective. No. About your grading because, obviously, you're hanging out with some of the kids. And so, you're of course, you're going to like those kids better. It's just, this is why. Things like this are a reason why people think teachers' jobs are so easy. Right. Because they just just out with kids. kids. No, it's not. It's wrangling kids and managing kids. And it's teaching, which is a lot of work and a lot of, like, it's not being an instructor and passing along knowledge is a lot more complicated and a lot more work than just being a babysitter. Right. Especially when you're trying to impart information to... 25 different kids all of whom are at different developmental stages and have different modes of learning best yep and you only have 55 minutes with them and the first 10 and the last 10 are shit because that's how time works that's how time works so yeah it's incredibly difficult classes should definitely be like two hours long uh yeah hear me out should be longer they should be longer Classes need to be, you have your transitional time for the first 10, 15 minutes, like, like, do a motion activity, get your sillies out, do an improv game, you know, let the kids settle into your class, into a learning environment, do instruction for half of the time, have work time for half the time, so they have access to you as the instructor to try and understand the material on their own, or, like, you know, have a lab so that they have hands-on experience. You know, you have another opportunity for learning that's not just the lecture. And then you have the last 15 minutes of, like, packing up and letting them start getting ready for another transition. Yeah. And then you should have a study hall. (laughs) We've already talked about that. Yeah. Sorry. I have a lot of thoughts on how school should be structured and none of it is is even close to what the school looks like. But, I mean, I wrote in my notes, like, I bet Micah has some thoughts on how embarrassing it can be to have your parent be at your school all the time. (laughs) so my mother taught at my high school yeah i don't know if i've mentioned that on the podcast before luckily luckily she was a pretty well-liked teacher (laughs) oh my god can you imagine if she wasn't (sighs) somehow my brother is three years younger than me he was a freshman when i was a senior Four years, whatever. Three and a half. Somehow, throughout being in school for four years, I still was Miss Cook's kid or Wyatt's sibling. What? <laughs> he was there for two months and someone came up to me and was like, oh, you're Wyatt's sibling. I'm like, 
No, he's mine, well, you no, asshole. He's my little brother. Get fucked. I've been here longer. But yeah, I because I'm a rule follower and breaking the rules made me very, very anxious yeah. as a kid. Uh, the one time I skipped class, I asked permission from my mother. I like <laughs> was having a panic attack at lo- after my class at lunch and like went up to her office and was like, I can't go sit in math. I can't. I can't. Can I? I I'm. I'm going to go sit in the courtyard and hang out with my friends in the next lunch. I'm sorry. And she was like, yeah, okay. That's... Wow. You precious babe. But also, like, as a <laughs> as a budding queer trans person who, like, was trying to figure out who they are, having my, like, senior English teacher wish me a happy birthday first hour and come to me like, I've known you since you were the just tiny little embryos. And, like, we've all known you because my mom had been teaching at the school for forever. forever. Like, she was pregnant with me while she was teaching. And, like, you know, like, having adults just know who I was and, like... I felt like I couldn't get away with anything. I never tried to get away with anything because I felt like I was constantly being watched. Yeah, that seems terrifying. And, like, my worst case, my my worst fear came true. And I don't like to talk shit about my mother, but this really fucked me up and it was really not okay. Um, I, the one time I asked someone to a dance. It was yeah. a Sadie Hawkins dance. Of course. Uh, he was in my film studies class. Uh-huh. Well, uh, perfect. Uh, we had it first hour, uh, and I had asked him at lunch. I also called him the wrong name when I asked him. <gasps> but that doesn't see... He still said yes, so that's what matters. Well, it worked out. But... Before I get home, like, I am leaving the building to meet up with my mother in the car. Like, I... Like, I am just leaving school. So I heard you ask somebody out. Mom! She knows who it is without me telling her who it is. She has gotten character references from the teachers that I have with him. And she knows her GPA. No! You can't do that! How am I ever going to have a love life in the school again? Which is why I... That was the last time I start like, actually looked at school people in my school romantically because I knew the I was being watched and the only way that I could have a relationship that was actually mine is to date outside of my school which is another reason I dated older men when I was in high school because I didn't feel like I could date anyone in my high school right yeah I imagine yeah it would be like it feels like you're living in a police state now yeah like you can't every there could be a cop around every corner yeah like every teacher like Every teacher knew me, especially I avoided the science. Like our my school was like a U, and like was uh, like there was like a science wing and a you know whatever. And like my mom was a science teacher, so I avoided that half of the school like forever. Yeah, I bet. And like because the entire science department had known me since I like I used to come in to get nursed. Like they have known me my entire life. Yeah, and like you don't need that kind of baggage. No, and like. Of course I hung out in the art, in the theater room with the theater director she didn't like. I want to talk about how, like, the whole thing generally about Blake being so obsessed with, like, destroying Carl's life. Yeah, it's creepy. Like, what? Are you in love with him? Yes. Yes. First thought, best thought. Okay, moving on. 
Um, yeah, it just seems weird because it's like he, I mean, I get that he doesn't get enough attention at home. That's the whole Grippling family right. thing. But like, I don't know, Courtney's arc in like trying to make friends and be popular that makes more sense. I think in he, the attention seeking way. Is he one of those kids who's trying to get in trouble so that someone will pay attention to him? Or So I think if you look at it through all three seasons, the first season he's trying to get in with Carl, I feel like it's a lot more like I wanna be friends with you. Right. And I think Carl pretty clearly says no fuck off. Right. And so Blake takes that as a fine, fuck you. Yeah. But then it just, he keeps at it. And, and it's this never season. Not... Yeah, and this season seems very like he is trying to destroy Carl. It seems weird. It seems weird. And is it just because they came, they like needed a nemesis for Carl? I think it just makes for like an easy conflict in a story because frankly the carl stories are a little bit like ramshackle anyway yeah i just i don't know it just seems weird it does seem weird he needs to get a real hobby yeah he does like i get that adult rich people get entertainment from torturing poor people but like we don't need to start that shit young no you're in elementary school you can wait (laughs) there is a runner in these couple of episodes uh that I want to talk about because Lois and Dr. Dave finally get engaged in this episode. Finally. Finally. And it's really cute. And I, she's so happy. But Lois starts this whole like losing weight to fit into a wedding dress. Oof, yeah. And it's one. Lois is a gorgeous woman in the first place. Yeah. Like she is stunning. And like as we were just talking about your children pick up on your eating habits and your own body image issues right and your children are pretty likely to end up looking like you so if you are constantly hammering in a message about how your body is unattractive you're literally just telling your kid the same thing also i don't know who else needs to hear this but i feel like a lot of people do you do not need to fit into your clothing. Your clothing is to fit over you. Right. Like you, you're like, your job is not to fit into the fabric. Yeah. Fabric is made to protect human bodies. Not, human bodies are not made to go inside of fabric. Just like the whole dieting to get into a wedding dress thing pisses me the fuck off. Yeah. And like, I get that you want to feel good on your di- your special day. But, so get a dress that makes you feel good in the body that you have. Right. Don't starve yourself so you can fit into a dress for one night that you will never wear again. Exactly. So the next two episodes are a two-parter about uh, eighth grade graduation and transitioning out of middle school into high school. Yeah. Which is such a weird goddamn time. It is a weird time. Yeah, because it definitely, I think a big contributor to it feeling so weird is the fact that we build up high school so much from media and stuff as being this, like, giant magical time where, like, your whole adulthood is fo- is formed. and it's, it's not true. Just not true at all. Not true at all. I learned more about myself from 18 to 25 than I did 14 to 18 yeah yeah 
by like an order of magnitude. Because I had the freedom to. Yeah, I had the time and the independence. Yeah, high school is not... I was so disappointed high school is not like the movies. Yeah, right? I was so disappointed because I was so excited to have a life for the first time. Yeah. And to like have adventures and have experiences. And that's not what high school is. High school is sitting in a classroom listening to your teacher's lecture at you trying to survive this hellish education system yeah eight hours a day when you're exhausted and you probably didn't get to sleep until super late last night and so you have like you got like four hours of sleep because that's how like teenage brains work and you're running on nothing but caffeine and a pop tart because you let yourself sleep in for that morning because you didn't go to bed until super late it's yeah it's a nightmare i would not do it again i remember being did you have a middle school graduation no i did i we had a whole like ceremony and then a dance in the afternoon and it was lovely i i think i remember it fondly i also remember that i because i couldn't find a dress to fit i turned a skirt into a dress of course you did that's what you do it was a very 2000s dress yeah makes sense uh it was also strapless which made my mom mad which i loved (laughs) but yeah you really see i'm really glad that they like let ginger be scared because it is scary it is scary it is scary especially because like you're going into a bigger school with a bunch of kids you don't know um yeah you're starting at the bottom again after being on the you know the top of the school and just being like oh well i'm the baby again yeah and that's a hard shift in a new place you don't know with a bunch of teachers you've never met yeah. with what and everyone's building up the stakes to be so much higher i want to talk about how fucked up high school sports are yes because yes, please i the thing i have in my notes is it's just so toxic and fucked up how much time high school sports are allowed to take from you. Oh my god. Like, not to mention, like, skipping past the whole, like, head trauma, body trauma, like, kids shouldn't have to go through that stuff. I know, you know, a dozen people, myself included, who have fucked up knees from playing high school sports. Right. And that never should have happened skating past that stuff straight to the like oh yeah our training camp starts a month before school it's every day and then you have to like a lot of sports you'll have a practice before school you'll go to school and then you have practice after school and then you probably have games on the weekend so your whole weekend is gone too so fuck you if you want to have a job or any other extracurricular activities. I played football with a kid who literally missed one day of practice just for to try out for the play or whatever. Yeah. And that kid got like teased and tortured and made to run laps the rest of that season because he missed one day of practice. Because it was another activity, right? Jesus. It was like, well, part of it was that it was theater, right? right? So that made him gay, obviously. Obviously. He's definitely not gay. But like, but yeah, it's just so evil 
that they're allowed to take that much time from you and then all the while just like screaming at you that you're not committed enough if you complain or push back or try and like you know put hard boundaries around your free time yeah i also played sports in high school and i remember i started volleyball in the fall and I started going to volleyball practices in July. Yeah. That were, like, I wasn't even on the team yet, and I was going to their, like, you know, open gyms to, like, get my reps in and to, like, put face, like, make face with the older girls and, like, yeah. you know, do the stupid relation, the social aspect of it. Yeah. Um, and then I, like, I did all of this extra work, and I, none of the girls who... I got on a team with showed up to any of these practices and they just all knew each other because they played club. Cool. Which helpful. Super helpful. Sports have a place and I think they're good outlets and like some Absolutely. kids need it. They should not be one, the sole focus of your time while you are at school. Absolutely. Two, you should not be using your students for fundraising. Because, like, yeah. how much fucking money do we pull in? Do we, like, pull in from sports games and make... Make money yeah, off children's, of children's, like, slave labor? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. None of that money ever gets back to the students who are playing. Right. And three, like, the stakes shouldn't be so fucking high. Yeah. It's just kids. They're just playing a game. You can get... Like, if you want to play competitively, go to a league. But right. the school game should be more recreational and fun yeah school sponsored sports should not be about being the best and anyone who wants to play should be able to be allowed to play and learn yeah because if if adults didn't put that on them kids wouldn't care no about like being the best and like i certainly didn't care like i would have played a lot more sports if, like you're saying, I had felt like it was okay for me to be bad and yeah. just want to play. I straight up got told I tried to play tennis that same year that I played uh, football. And I straight up got told that, like, I shouldn't bother because I'd never, like, been on a team before. And it just, like, wasn't worth the coach's time to coach me. Yeah, I had never played softball before. I tried out for softball. And they were desperate for people, so they put me on the team. And it drove all of the other girls. They hated me. Because they had all been playing club together for years. Yeah. And it's like... Yeah, that was... Yeah, when I played football, too, like, they'd all been playing together forever, and they just hated that I wasn't as dedicated because I had been playing since I was eight years old. Right. And again, you know, recreational sports should not be gated by money, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. I... This thing happens with the football coach in... One of these episodes where he recognizes Darren as being... A Patterson. A Patterson. And made me... First of all, the way that coaches, like, scout children is also gross. Terrifying. Like, the number of people as a child I had... Total strangers come up to me unsolicited and be like, You're a big kid. You should play football. Like, I didn't ask you. Why were you looking at my body? You're so tall. Why don't you play basketball? Because I don't like to run. It just made me so thankful that my brother and I have different last names. Oh, I'm sure. Because, and also that we look nothing like each other. (laughs) But, like, I always was terrified 
at the prospect of people associating me and him not because i'm like embarrassed or just because like we are so vastly different people that there's basically nothing you can extrapolate from meeting my brother to be like oh you're so-and-so's sister parks of being an oldest child yeah that never happened to you no but i'm sure like i'm sure your brother resents having to live in your shadow especially going to that same high school that your mother also taught at yeah he really embraced the fact that my mom worked there and was like always going and asking her for money and like spending like using her as a like that feels uncomfortable i made it made me so mad i like i i did not understand it and i was like how do you how are you okay with this but also, my brother's relationship with my mother is very different from my relationship with my mother. Yeah, that's certainly that's certainly true. Um, and then the last episode of this arc of these ten episodes, uh, Ginger and Dodie and Macy go back to Camp Caprice, but as counselors this time. Yeah, which like is such a huge rite of passage. And I remember I was much older when I became a counselor. Uh, I was eighteen when I became a camp counselor um, yeah. and went back to my camp. But I remember being so excited to be on the other side and like so excited. I'm like, I had such a good time. I'm really excited to make other kids have a good time at this camp. Yeah. And also like the pressure of it uh, felt a little weird because like, I don't want to ruin your summer. Right. Uh, no pressure. I just really hope that this is, is fun. Please let this be fun. This was really fun when I did it. Please let it be fun. Please let it be fun. And then I got all the troubled kids and it was never fun. Yeah. Um, why do I always end up with the troubled kids? I don't know. But like we've talked about this before, but it never hurts to point out how like camps use unpaid child labor, like basically run on unpaid child labor. They do. Because like a lot of the camps I went to, like you had 14, 15, 16-year-olds who were counselors in training, which you had to do for like a year or two, and you didn't get paid, but you had to do everything the counselors did. Not to mention, when you are a camp counselor, very often you're paid almost nothing. You're paid literally nothing. Because you're being paid in room and board, which is fucking stupid. You're a child. You shouldn't have to fucking pay rent. Yeah, don't make me pay rent for working here. For working here? Oh, well, we paid you in the fact that we gave you a place to live while we made you work at a place around which there are no other places to live. Also, we fed you. Food should be free. Yes. Oh, I just wrote that um, Ginger, this episode when they go to camp, Ginger is processing that her feelings for Darren are changing. Yes. And it's another one of those, like, I I can't decide yet. I don't know that it's become clear yet whether she's actually, like, falling out of love with Darren or it's just that that same new relationship energy is going away now and so she doesn't have the same intensity and, like, immediacy of feeling. I think that it's changing into, like, it's settling in because, like, she says when, at the end, like, I miss him, like, I want to be with him more than I've 
before and yeah. like you know I do miss him and I just needed to remember it's very like clearly called out of like new relationship energy of like oh I wanted the way Sasha made me feel last summer exactly. not the actual relationship that's what I wanted to get back to was the Sasha thing which yeah, is exactly. way like you know I adults struggle with that again yeah. and like showing that as a thing for children is incredible and I think as someone who left for camp with a girlfriend and came back to the world without a girlfriend. Oh, buddy. It can be really hard to leave your uh, relationship on hold when you're on camp because you're in a whole different world and it is very different. And it's, uh, I think we've talked about this before where summer camp is like what happens at summer camp is a summer camp world like summer camp crushes and relationships stay at summer camp so like it's natural for those things to pick up and like you kind of forget what your real life is like because you're in a whole new space and it i you know i remember uh you know summer romances are always summer camp romances are always yeah always exciting Yeah. yeah i think we also have to talk about Episode 10 is the county fair. Yes. Which is our last episode, which a number one with a bullet. Boy, do I miss the county and state fair. I'm so excited to be in Minnesota. I'm so excited to go to the Minnesota State Fair. I'm so stoked that we're in Minnesota and get to go to the Minnesota State Fair. I have not been to a state fair in years. Yeah. The Washington one was out in the middle middle of of nowhere. nowhere, so. So. So we definitely have to go to state fair this year. I'm so excited. I want to eat all the fried foods on sticks. I want I want cotton candy. I want to pet all the animals. I want to go on some like super sketchy rides that like <laughs> rattle like in a way that they're not supposed to. Oh, I uh, I want fair lemonade. Like there's something it hits different. Yeah. You think maybe we're just hungry? I think maybe I'm hungry. I think I'm hungry. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think this was a really good... Uh, I think this episode did a really good job of like showing how around this time your friendships start to change and they start to like grow and your social circle starts to grow. Yeah. And, like, you know, trying to balance the boyfriend and friends and like making everyone happy is right. really hard. Because like... Should Ginger have asked her friends if she could have invited Darren? Yes. Yes. Was it as big of a deal that Dodie made it out to be? Absolutely not. Not at all. Like, inviting your boyfriend, who, again, we've established, you are also friends with. This is not just, like, Darren is not just Ginger's boyfriend. You have a friendship with Darren. Right. It's not as if you've never met him before. Right. Like, he used to sit at your lunch table all the time. You know him. It's okay. Yeah. And, you know, I think when traditions change... It can be really scary. Yeah. And it can be really hard. But also change does not mean it's a bad thing. Right. But yeah, again, I think this speaks to like uh, Dodie's sort of like controlling attachment style. Absolutely. Where everything isn't exactly the way she planned it and everyone doesn't behave exactly the way she prescribes, then everything is haywire, you know? Yeah. Also, you don't need to like everything that your partner likes. Right. Like, Darren could go totally have gone, State Fair doesn't sound like my thing, and Ginger could have been okay with that. Or, you know what? You guys have your thing. I'll meet you in the evening to do rides. Right. Like, I'll show up, or I'll come in the morning and we'll hang out for a couple hours, and then I'm going to bounce. Yeah. Like, that seems like the way to do a situation like that. You don't have to, like, fit into every tradition that, like... 
I know you want to share everything with your partner and like that's so exciting at that age to be yeah. like well this is my world and I want you in it but, but you need to create your own world with them precisely. not shove them into the world that you already have and also like your you know your best friend your BFF laws as they call them oh as Dodie calls them like like your constitution <laughs> need to be constantly updated to properly reflect the will of the people at the moment. Absolutely. And not, you know, you wrote those BFF laws. When you were 12. When you were 12 and your priorities were totally different. If you've been friends since second grade, like your relationship has changed because you have changed. Yeah. And that's okay. It's And it's going to keep changing. It's going to keep changing and your priorities are going to shift. And the only way you can maintain that kind of relationship or any kind of relationship is if you are comfortable with continuing to change the terms and adapt and still be there for each other regardless of how things develop. Exactly. All right. Let's, let's do, a, do light- a lightning round because I have... A ton of lightning round. Um, Absolutely. I also wanted to transfer schools and get a semester away from everyone. Yeah. It sounds like a goddamn dream. That sounds like a dream. I, I wanted it so bad. I needed it so bad. I was even willing to live with my grandmother for a semester to go to the school in her tiny town because I wanted out so bad. Just to do anything different. Um, uh, church bells are uh, an anti-non-Christian hate crime. I know. I don't care that your guy says you all got to show up early in the morning on one of our two days off to suck his dick. But that ain't about me. I got nothing to do with that. There's no reason you got to assault me with your loud ass bells. Jews don't make that much noise on Friday nights when we get together. Right. I mean, that is, to be fair, historically, the Jews have maybe had a reason to want to keep a low profile. Shush. <laughs> don't give away our secrets. These folks are after them. Your children are not perfect. They're not going to be great at everything they do. You need to let them know that they're not going to be great at everything they do. It's okay not to be great at everything you right. do. Right. The only way to ever get good at stuff is to be bad. So, like, you're obviously going to be bad at a lot more stuff than you're ever good at. Praise the work they put into things, not the outcome. Right. Because what that's going to do is they're going to be willing and want to work hard for things. They're not going to be so worried about the performance of it all. Because then what happens when you praise a kid for being smart or making a thing that's good is it doesn't teach them, like you said, to work hard. It teaches them that the only value in something is if it's good. Yup. So if you make something and it's not good, then you're trash and you shouldn't bother. Do you know how many of us are perfectionists now because that was how we were taught? Exactly. Because no one ever said like, wow, I'm proud of how much time you put into that art project they just said like wow it really looks like a tree and how many times i don't know if this is a neurodivergent thing i feel like this is more than just a neurodivergent thing how many of us have started doing things not been good at them instantly and put them down because we can't do them perfectly right and because it's like we feel embarrassed that we can't be as good as we would like to be right when like we should all feel comfortable just being like i look i put like 30 hours into this project is it good no but i learned a lot i worked really hard yeah exactly oh we finally see um hoodsies collection of hoodies 
I love his hoodies. And he has like no less than six of the exact same purple hoodie, which I think confirms for me that Hoodsie is in fact autistic. Because we know that kids change outfits in the show. They change a lot. Yeah. All the time. I mean, Carl and Hoodsie don't. But they're also like, that's kind of who they are. Like, yeah. they're... Carl will wear the same shirt until it's totally gross. And right. Hoodsy, we know, doesn't wear the same sweatshirt. He just has... He has a bunch of them. them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. It confirms our autistic theory. Ask people consent before you kiss them. Yeah. Don't just kiss people. Don't... Yeah. Don't just touch people. I know movies make it seem dramatic. Don't touch people. Don't kiss people. As someone who has been kissed without consent, it's weird. I don't like it. Don't do it. Don't do it. The Also in here, we have the cultural touchstone of writing your significant other's name all over everything because you're obsessed with them and it's the only thing you can... And then three Think weeks about. later, you have every reminder of them and you don't want to ever speak to them again. Exactly. And yeah, it's fucking torture. Yeah. We've all, we've all been there. Oh, we've all been there. Oh. There's this line in the episode where Miss Bishop is teaching and uh, Mr. Bishop is trying to teach the kids to like accept themselves for who they are. Of like, <laughs> he starts off like saying, if you don't accept yourself now... And Hoodie just chimes in, you won't get accepted into college. <laughs> and it's just like, and it pops up again. And I'm like, I wish it worked like that. Yeah, that would have right? been amazing. Oh, there's another line. Uh, Ginger is talking to her dad and is telling him about the graduation and that she's giving a speech. And he like says he wants to come and she just goes, are you going to show up? Are you actually going to show up? I'm like... <laughs> Ouch. Damn, Ginger! Fair. Came with Very the fire! Fair, but um, There's a scene where when Joanne goes, like, tries to be one of the cool kids at school. Two things. We learn that Hope is still around. Yeah, and she's we do. still with the cool kids, so that's fun. And also, she's wearing cornrows. She has her hair. I mean, maybe they're, like, braids, but they seem to be, like, braided in rows flat against her head hope does no joanne bishop joanne does. does yo yeah she even calls them out as cornrows I oh think. yeah it's uh i, I don't remember that part but it made me so uncomfortable because she made a comment about like j-lo wears her hair like this and i was like uh, you don't get to do that because she's not white <sighs> um this is a really stupid one but when ginger's at camp she is working on a scavenger hunt with her kids and she walks off to a different part of camp to go get something. That's not how your job works. Don't do that. Don't leave your children unattended. It's not okay. You have to get someone and send them to go get the thing you need because you gotta stay with your kids. Let your kids find the things, then go there. You can't just walk away from your kids. Jesus. Which is why you need an actual adult around and not just teenagers. Right. We need to take elderly people's driver's licenses away because there's an episode here where dr dave wants lois to meet his mom before he proposes proposes. and his mom first of all is fucking horrible and this whole thing about like we need to respect people just because they're old even though they're like fucking monsters is bullshit i hope people call me on all of my shit when i'm old Grandma, you can't say that anymore. Cool. What are we saying now? 
I learned it differently, but I'm very old. I've had to relearn lots of things. Please teach me. Continue to update your software. Yeah, it's not. It's super not that hard. But yeah, she's so dangerous. She's putting so many people at risk. I yeah, we we are too liberal with letting people drive, and it is not okay. It's not okay. You know what would fix that? A well-rounded, well-used public transit system. Right, just like how boys under twenty-five shouldn't be allowed to drive. I appreciate that Lois has to establish a hard rule to keep Carl away from the funerals of strangers. Right! Right! It's like, that's the kind of bridges you have to cross as Carl's parent that other other parents just, like, never have to deal with. No more going to other people's funerals. The fuck are you doing, kid? How many times has this happened? It's been more than once. Which is too many. Yeah, way too many. I also just have, I just have a quote written down here. Don't worry, Macy, no one's going to make you pierce your flippers if you don't want to. (laughs) I'm really, I'm really glad that we get to see Macy grow up a little bit in this last couple episodes. Because she definitely has been the one who is like the most afraid to grow up, which I think is also has something to do with her stunted parenting. Yeah, but she gets a crush on a boy. And she gets like a real haircut. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited for her. Yeah, me too. I have complicated feelings about Courtney's attitude toward the county fair. Yeah. Because, like, one... Oh, go ahead. uh, Oh, because, one, I like how enthusiastic she is about trying everything. And, like, that's a way to go into a new environment of, like, let me have the experience. But there's this bigger problem, and we're seeing it a lot today, of rich people cosplaying as poor people. Yeah. And we see it especially in high fashion right now. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's absolutely a thing where, like, high fashion, high-end children's clothes right now are just, like, brown burlap sacks that look like Little House on the Prairie dresses. And it's, you're, they're truly just, like, cosplaying poverty. Which is, like, that's what van life is. Like, that's what all that shit is just, like stealing the trappings of poverty while also having all of the safety nets of wealth. That's what minimalism is. Yeah. Of like having nothing and being bare, but being able to afford to get whatever the fuck you need and replace it a thousand times. Exactly. Um, I have another, I have another quote here. Courtney says, it's always better to look good than to feel good. Which, (laughs) oof boy. That's. Uh, Tell me your mother gave you an eating disorder without telling ding, me your ding, mother ding, gave you an eating disorder. Yeah. Oh, boy. Because that has Mrs. Rippling written all over oh, it. Oh, absolutely. I just, I just don't appreciate that the band and the drama teachers are always stereotyped as being gay. I had only straight male directors, and they are awful human beings. They are not the fun ones. I. It's just frustrating that, like... People aren't allowed to enjoy the performing arts in particular without having their sexuality questioned. It's really stupid. It's so stupid. Just like acting is fun. Acting is fun. It's very good. And it's very hard to do. It doesn't have to be gay. No, just because there's a lot of gays in it doesn't make it gay. It seems strange to me that like a lot of sports 
football in particular and also like cheerleading are this like weird fast track to popularity like i definitely know they were in my high well football in football was and but in this uh, in one of these episodes Dodie is talking about trying to get on like the pep squad yeah because being on the pep squad will make her popular at my school we had all the pretty white girls on the dance team yeah. and then all of the black girls were on cheer who did, were like not on the field at halftime oh yeah I don't get it I like it's weird it's right? weird like, like and why is it, it ab- those sports yeah what is it about the high school about the quarterback of the high school football team that makes him more deserving of attention than even other kids who play sports I don't understand other yeah. than the fact that like football is basically like fascist propaganda that propagates the like great man theory of history I am because a quarterback is just a white man who's taking like who's taking credit for the work of a lot of other non-white people's efforts he's basically a business owner the court the quarterback in terms of you're blowing my mind right now and you are absolutely correct that's what the podcast is <laughs> <laughs> I never understood why, like, yeah, as someone who's, yeah. as someone who played less popular sports, like... It doesn't have the same effect. It doesn't have the same effect. And, like, like I had to beg and plead my friends to come watch me play because yeah. I, other, like, softball, we had maybe, like, just parents and, like, only yeah. half the parents half and the time. It's so crazy how many people go... To high school football games? Yeah. Because I distinctly remember the stands being, like, packed with people. Yeah. To watch children play football. Yeah. What? That's the kind of pressure you don't need to put on kids. No. And also, like, why do we want to... I don't... I feel like there's a... We could make a whole other podcast about, like... Why we're obsessed with children's sports. I mean, yeah, it's because we proper, we uh, have been putting out propaganda for it and make people relive their glory days every time they go to a football game, and that way schools can actually make money. Yeah. Because it makes people want to donate to your school because they think about their time in high school. Macy said, uh, something about band makes me feel like I found my people. And I wrote, of are your people you also awkward and horny? <laughs> Why are band people so horny? I don't know. Like, band kids and theater kids are just insatiable. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I really identified with... I think part of why I really like this show growing up, and there's a lot of shows like this that I think probably inform my current, like, career, where... The, our main character, our protagonist, is kind of an outsider in their own experience. Yeah. Like, Ginger is very much like an observer and reporter of everything that goes on. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking of, like, Saved by the Bell. Like, our um, Zach Morris has kind of the same relationship mm-hmm. with the things that are going on around him. And even, like, to take it out of uh, childhood, like... Sex and the City is kind yeah. of this format. 
where Carrie is practically like an anthropologist watching her friends all hang out, right? And I don't know, like, part of it is being like a neurodiverse person and also part of it is like being a comedian is there's always that little bit of disconnect because you're always kind of watching things from like five degrees off so that you can try and report it to people or write bits about it or make a touching story about it or whatever yeah i never really sorry i knew other people felt that way but like it's really reassuring to know other people feel that way oh the way my brain processes it has always been it's a performance and it's always adjusting my character or like making the like taking notes on how to perform better right and it always feels like everything is not you're not part of it and i i think you're right i think that was a huge thing i really did too as a kid yeah